Cause I can't forget you You've got me in between The devil and the deep blue sea Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with veteran Los Angeles jazz singer and pianist Betty Bryan. We caught up with this living legend about her new 2024 CD called Lot of Living, and that's the truth. She is originally a native of Kansas City who has always brought a solid piano technique, a light, swinging touch, and a skilled vocal approach to her music. Dubbed Cool Miss B by her fellow musicians, she was mentored by the great, late Jay McShann. She moved to the West Coast in 1955, where she immediately got an engagement at the Beverly Hills famed Ye Little Club. In 1987, Betty Bryant Day was declared in Kansas City as she was awarded the keys to the city. We cover her story, a very rich career. Enjoy this interview. Hi, Betty. Hi. Joe Domino, Neon Jazz Radio in Kansas City, Missouri. Well, it's nice to meet you. It's wonderful to meet you. How are you today? Oh, great. Still early. Good deal. Well, good deal. Well, yeah, and I know you have a history here in Kansas City, so it's an honor to speak with you. Thank you for taking a minute out. I appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate your call. So I want to begin our conversation before we get into your brand new album um, by with going through COVID as an artist this last three and a half years or so. How did you get through that COVID time period, and how did it change you? You know, I had all the shots. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I haven't had so much as a cold since all of that started. Um, so personally, you know, it, it, I, I'm lucked out. Um, work-wise, I'm so old now that I don't work that much anymore anyway. So it didn't really change too much. I, I still have uh, the same gigs that, that, that uh, you know, that I had before the pandemic. So I don't do any of those steady, you know, five-night-a-week things. The, the whole club scene changed. Well, and I know that L.A. was a little bit more restrictive than the rest of the country. Um, I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, well, I had talked to people that, I mean, there was a point where people couldn't even, you know, walk on the beach. And, you know, uh, the mayor was pretty restrictive about, you know, going out and things and there was, I mean, of course, clubs closed everywhere, but I know that there were some clubs in L.A. that closed up, and it was just kind of a rough time all around. Well, you know, a lot of things have not reopened. That's the bad part is that uh, it, it just shut them down forever. Uh, clubs and restaurants especially. The beach is pretty much open, so, um, you know, all of that air and ocean, I don't think there's too much danger there. But... Uh, People do not wear the um, uh, masks as much as they used to, although they're beginning to ask you to to uh, wear them again because there seems to be a surge going on right now. Yeah, there certainly is. So talk to me a little bit about the latest album. What was kind of the uh, what was kind of the artistic aim at, at putting this one out? Um, sort of going off in all directions. <laughs> A, a lot of it, I don't even know if you can call it jazz or not, but it was, you know, like Chicken Wings, for instance. I wrote that years and years and years ago and never intended to, to record it. That was Rob's idea. And um, um, let's see what else is on there. Well, well it's a variety of things. I, I should put it that way. It's 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 not like, it doesn't focus on anyone area of jazz. It's more about 
my style and what I might do in a club or something because I go off in all directions and it seems to work. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm curious, what are you hoping the listener gets from this album? Fun. Um, that it's okay to be free and express yourself any way you want to, and, and uh, just just enjoyment, not not take anything too seriously. I mean, the world is bad enough, you know. I agree. I absolutely agree. Well, and that's the reason why I got into jazz um, a long, long time ago is because of that fun factor. So I understand. So. Let's peel back the layers and get back to the beginnings of your life. I know Kansas City was an early part of your lineage. Tell me where you were born and raised and how the roots of singing and jazz got into your blood. Well, I was born in Kansas City, Wheatley Hospital. Um, I have one sister who was also born there. And we grew up, my my father was a teacher who wound up being uh, dean of uh, is Penn Penn Valley College? Do you know Penn Valley? So uh, he he um, he was a teacher all of our lives, but uh, he wound up being an administrator and dean of that college. So I grew up in that type of environment, uh, classical music as a little girl, and they said I could quit when I was sixteen, so I did. I went to college in Topeka, Kansas, at Washburn University. Um, got a degree in uh, fine arts, I guess it's called, but it's a major in art. Um, got a teaching certificate, which I never used, but that's what they. Well, half the my family are teachers, <laughs> cousins, aunts, and uncles. <laughs> there are a lot of teachers in my family. And that's the direction that they pointed me in. But along the way, I started listening to jazz. And um, as a kid, we used to play um, Boogie Woogie, which is the same changes as blues, you know, just one, four, five. And my best friend was Donna Baker, whose brother was Ed Baker. And Ed wound up with a band in Kansas City. You may have known him. Yeah. And uh, his sister Betty sang with with that. So they had a big family of kids, and they were a lot of fun. And their father played piano. So between Donna's house and my house, we were always just just fooling around, making up stuff. And that's how it started. I was just making up stuff. And then I don't even remember how I met Jay McShann, but somehow or another I met him, and he was my idol. I just adored Jay and, and the way he played. And he sort of took me under his wing, and he was playing at a place called uh, Johnny's, I think. It was out on Troost. And I would stop by there after I got off from my gig, and he would let me play the piano there, there on his gig with his band. And that was just heaven for me after having played a night of, a, you know, being a single and answering requests. <laughs> And people singing Irish songs and stuff, you know. So yeah. that was sort of how I got started. And and the, those were among the few, you know first jazz musicians that I met. Do you remember the first live jazz show that you saw in Kansas City? Or any early live jazz shows? No. 
um, in those days, everything was still segregated. So um, the black jazz thing was strong on 18th and also on 12th Street. The Orchid Room was on 12th Street. And I played at the Jockey Club for a little while on 12th and Paseo, which was right down the street from the Orchid Room. And those were like two major clubs. Never played on 18th Street, although there were a few places down there. But there was there was music all over the place in Kansas City at that time. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> when they desegregated, it was, um, we lost all of that. Everything, uh, everybody wanted to go to the now desegregated, desegregated downtown places. And um, and all of the black clubs uh, just sort of closed down. And all of this was about the same time that I left Kansas City, mid fifties. Yeah. So I was there from you know, nineteen twenty nine until the mid fifties. Do you remember your first gig? How how it all began? First club, first scenario. Yeah. Um, it was a place called Millie's on Twelfth and Forest, I think. Maybe Tracy for for somewhere over in there. Sure. And um, um, there was a guy named Earl Grant, who was very popular, and Earl played there. And then when Earl decided to move to Kansas City, he told Millie about me, I guess, and she hired me. And I was sort of a novelty because of this thing with with the all of these teachers in my family and. Um, Everybody was just sort of curious as to how I could do it. I, there was a very, very distinct line about being a jazz musician and being a teacher's daughter. <laughs> mm. And uh, um, it worked. I mean, people would come to see me out of curiosity, I think, just to see what I would do. But that was my first gig in, in Kansas City. And then the same thing happened to me when I came out here to L.A. Earl had been out here and was working at a place in Beverly Hills, and uh, he got me in working on his night off. So that was how my, you know, he was really instrumental in getting me started both places. So you got the nickname Cool Miss B. How did that come about? That's Rob's idea. Um, we When we did our first... CD, when I did my first CD, I really thought it was going to be my only CD. It was, I think, 1998. It might have been earlier. But I, th- I the reason I'm saying this is because we remastered it, and I don't know whether they put the second date on or the first date on the remastering, because it, it had a different level. If you played it with a whole bunch of other records, when you play mine, it wouldn't match you know the the ones that preceded it, so it had to be redone. Anyway, Rob n- named me Cool Miss B back then, and that was <laughs> 1998 or or 97 around then. And he wrote a little blues tune that's on that first CD called Cool Miss B. So it just sort of stuck. And you also have a day that was declared in your name in '87 in Kansas City. You got the keys of the city. What was that like? That was wonderful. I um, I went back there to do a benefit for 
Niles home. It had been a, an orphanage when I was a little girl. And then I think it became like a home for abuse, abuse situations. So abuse women or people that abuse their children or something like that. And anyway, I went back there to do a benefit to raise money for that place. I don't even know if it's still there or not. And uh, Eddie Baker was the one that presented all of those awards to me. And I don't, I don't know whether Niles Home arranged it or whether Eddie Baker arranged it or <laughs> who did, but, but uh, I, I got the keys to the city and, you know, proclamations from the mayor and all of those things. It was really neat. Yeah. yeah. What What did you like the best about? I I know things have changed a lot, um, on, just on the landscape of, of of music and otherwise. But when you were in Kansas City, what did you like the best about Kansas City? I have a favorite statue there that I I keep going back to that nobody seems to remember, but there's a statue called the Scout. Do you know it? Absolutely. I love it. It's so beautiful, and I and I used to just go and visit that statue. It sounds like a crazy thing to do, but I wrote a um, a song about Kansas City's child one time, and I said something in the song about this, the dear old scout on the hill or something. And when I went back there and played it, nobody knew what I was talking about. And I'm like, what? You know, when I was a kid, it was a field trip. Everybody went to see the scout. <laughs> <laughs> And, yeah, and I, I, it, it just didn't seem fair that he should be forgotten. I just, I hope he's still there. It, it is still there, and it's pretty emblematic because it's a Native American, and that's that was kind of the the symbolism of discovering Kansas City. And yeah. I actually, I, yeah, and I actually do myself go there on a semi regular basis. And one time, one of the best times that I ever did was about. I think 2015, I went up there for New Year's, oh, and wow. I watched all the fireworks go off around the city oh, right by it. Oh, my goodness. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's It was so much fun. Wonderful. Yes. Yeah. It was It was magnanimous, for sure. Um, but I, so I, what, I took art classes at, at the Nelson Art Gallery, and yeah. they contacted me not too long ago, uh, maybe two years ago. Because I don't know what they were doing. They're just constructing a history. And I had taken classes as a child, and it was one of the few non-segregated places that, that you could go. And somehow or another, my cousin and I got into an art class there on Saturdays. And they just wanted to know what I remembered. They weren't interested in me as a musician. It was very funny because I thought they were calling to talk to me as a person and they really wanted to, to talk to me about the Nelson Art Gallery. Well, they don't call it Art Gallery anymore. They call it something else. The Nelson, whatever it is now. But anyway, that was that was interesting. And one of my fondest yeah. memories, that was, a, 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 I think I was maybe around 12 years old when I was doing that. So what brought you to L.A.? What made you leave Kansas City and make L.A. home? Um, I really needed to leave Kansas City. Um, I have to be me. Main reason, I married somebody who lived out here and um, who was from Kansas City. He was from Kansas City, Kansas, actually. 
but uh, I can't say that he's the reason I moved. It was more because I needed to be myself, and and it worked. Yeah. So did you instantly click with LA? Did it feel like home? Was it? Um, how has LA treated you? I started working when I got here and have worked ever since. They had a rule at the union that you had to live here for three minutes, three months before you could be a union member. Even though I was a transfer member from Kansas City, which at that time had two unions, and um, I thought I would just automatically transfer, and they said no. That when you transfer or when you move to LA, you're taking jobs away from LA musicians, so you have to live here for three months to prove you're going to stay. They didn't say those words, but <laughs> that was basically what it was about. So that's what happened. I I put in my three months, and uh, at that time there was a red feather. I don't know what, there's nothing like that anymore, but it, it was a huge operation that people donated to, and then the red feather would distribute it among all the different, you know, like Cancer, Heart, all of all the different organizations that need money. I got a job with them in their secretarial pool because I was, along the way I had become an extra special secretary. I, while I was in Topeka, I, I worked at Menninger's, which was a biggie, and um, I was I was a very good typist. So I stayed there for the three months. But while I was there, I worked at uh, at, at this place in Beverly Hills because I reasoned with them that I was only working on Saturday night. Their reason their reasoning was. You're working every Saturday night in the same place, so that's like a regular job. <laughs> and I was like, hmm. how much money can I make working only on Saturday nights? And I won, and so they let me do that. And from there, at that time, every little hole in the wall had a piano player. So they weren't particularly good jobs, but I never did have to worry about working. I've been playing the piano ever since. Wonderful. So when you look back over your career, you've been at this for a long, long time. What has been what has been the most satisfying part of being a professional musician for you? What has historically got you out of bed and motivated to evolve as a musician? Wow. That that sort of says it all. It's it's I don't, it's what gets me out of bed. I I really love being a musician. I'm I always have new words working around in my head, and the piano is right here if I want to play it, or if I don't, I don't have to. And I don't know. I just it's just sort of part of me. I I can't imagine not being a musician. Yeah. Yeah. It's so that's hard to answer. Hmm. Yeah, no, no, I think that's a great answer. I, and I'm curious, too. You've seen so many things change in the world of jazz. What has been, what 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 change has happened over the years that has been the most welcome or that you've seen has been one of the most positive ones for the world of jazz? Okay, I'm, I'm sort of stuck in an, uh, that's not the right word. I focus more on the jazz that I was brought up with, which is somewhere between blues and 
Bebop and uh, whatever they called Stankin's era. The new cool jazz, I don't understand a lot of times. Hmm. I steer clear of a lot of the newer, far-out stuff. I don't even understand it. And uh, I've heard some young people do some things that are really far out musically. And I can admire them, but as far as I'm concerned, concerned, they don't really swing. Okay, I like swing. I like to be able to snap my fingers. Uh, I like to be able to move to the music. I don't want to have to yeah. work at concentrating on what did they do. You know, it's like, I like to feel, I like to feel the music within me, and I think that that's what my type of jazz does. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you this. If you if you could, if you had a dream tonight, you ran into that version of you right before you left Kansas City, the young version of you, and you could give that young version a piece of advice based on the life you've lived so far the wisdom you've gained. What what advice would you give your young self? <laughs> that is a funny question. Okay, <laughs> let's see. What advice would I give myself? I sort of have done everything I wanted to do. Um, I haven't always gone by the rules. And, uh, okay, keep an open mind and listen. So why do you love jazz? Uh, why? I I can't say. There is a why. Jazz is a feeling. Jazz is a part of you. It's like, why do I breathe? So, let me ask you this. Everyone has a perception of you. After all these years, everybody sees you in a certain light. Family, friends, fans. But you have always been in control. It's always been you leading the way. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? I'm, I'm... I'm a I'm very happy with who I am. I'm happy with myself as a person. I'm strong-minded. I don't necessarily follow rules. I never have. Be good. I, I I'm a good person. I don't I'm not mean. I don't have any mean thoughts. I don't That's that's to me that's the best part of me is that I am not mean and I don't get angry. There was a time when I did. But um I don't get angry anymore, and I I don't fuss with people, and I walk away from situations that are bad. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm a pretty happy yeah. person considering the world. Well, and, and I'm curious. When people look back on the history of jazz, both in Kansas City and beyond, and they come across your name, how do you want to be remembered? What would you like your legacy to be? A good person. I, yeah, I, I don't think that I've made any strides that anybody needs to follow or anything like that. I, I, uh, I have, I, I've had really good idols in my life and people that I looked up to musically, and um, I don't think that I've, I've ever been in a position to lead the way. I'm. Um, I'm not a. I, I'm not exactly a follower. I'm not like that. I don't. Hmm. I don't know that anybody would want to follow me. That's really hard I, to think about yourself in that kind of a position. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you. I, I didn't think, think I'd live to yeah. be this old to begin with. 
Yeah. <laughs> and now now that I found out that when you reach 100, you can get your picture on a Smucker's jelly jar, I've decided that I have to live to be 100. There you go. <laughs> so I can uh, <laughs> so, that's it. So that's my goal now is to, is to be on a jelly jar. I don't think I'll so, ever be anybody that that somebody wants to follow, uh, except that that I have a good attitude and and uh, I swing. I hope I will always swing. So how far away from one hundred are you? I just turned ninety four last November. Okay, all right. So so you're you're on your way for sure. For yeah, sure. that, well, that was when I made this well, decision. <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> we all got to have goals for sure. So, Betty, the new album is a lot of living. I recommend everyone run out and grab it. Thank you so much for imparting your wisdom and story and time to Neon Jazz today. Best of luck with everything, and I can't wait to see the uh, the, the Smucker's Jar myself. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. I'm going to see it, too. I don't there you go. Just, I love just it. Get it and die. I'm not going to do that. I've got to look at it. <laughs> Absolutely, you got to relish it for sure. Betty, thank you so much. Best of luck with everything. I appreciate it. Okay, thank you so much for calling. Thanks for tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in Los Angeles, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Betty for her time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. You've got me in between the devil and the deep blue sea. Devil and a deep blue sea Devil and the deep blue sea Neon Jazz